Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Let's talk about our economic map. Hmm. Being on Money FM, I think that's a good thing to talk about. We uh, just saw in this past week the uh, the APEC Regional Trends Analysis Report come out. So happy to have with us Dennis Hugh, who is the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit, to talk about that, about supply chains and global trade and making our recovery inclusive across uh, our pandemic world at, at the moment. Dennis, good morning. Welcome back to Weekend Mornings. Good morning. Great to have you with us, as always, and uh, we're hearing you loud and clear, which is awesome as well. That's great. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dennis, why don't you start first, uh, maybe you can give us some of the top line uh, things that you came, uh, that you noticed or that you concluded from this uh, regional trends analysis report. Well, one, of course, the most important thing is that we're looking at a very strong economic recovery this year. Last year, of course, we had that full impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. We had lockdowns, we had travel restrictions and border closures. But towards the second half of last year, we saw a lot of relaxation of these restrictions. We saw a lot of the fiscal support measures kicking in. So for this year, we're looking at a uh, recovery of about 6.3% compared to a contraction of 1.9% last year. So uh, we're seeing quite a strong recovery. Uh, even the WTO is estimating that even trade growth is expected to grow by 10% this year. At the same time, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, one of the reasons, of course, is there's still a lot of out uncertainties and downside mm-hmm. risk this year and maybe even in a year or two from now. Uh, one, of course, is that uh, we, we're seeing a resurgence of uh, infections mm-hmm. and new types of variants uh, in different parts of the world, even closer to home in Southeast Asia. I mean, we're, we've, we have restrictions here in Singapore. We've, we know that Malaysia's just announced a full lockdown for, for about two weeks, right? So, you know, we have to see how, um, how effective various governments are in trying to contain, contain this resurgence. Uh, and a key issue here, of course, is to get as many people uh, vaccinated as possible. Because the more people that you can vaccinate, the less chances for the, the virus to, to spread and there's less chances of it to continue to mutate. I guess the other main point to be cautious about as well is that there is a disparity in terms of uh, the, the, the vaccines that's out there in, in, in the world, right? So in terms of our study finds that in terms of vaccine coverage, you, you get some economies have about 800, up to 800% of uh, population that's too much vaccines, and then you've got other economies that are, you know, as low as 40, 30 percent, or even wow. even lower than that. So that so that you've got that whole have and have not. So in terms of vaccines, and you know, we, the the key issue here is to make sure that we can have equal access to these vaccines, so that we can basically uh, contain this pandemic. So mm. I think these are some things to look out for. Yeah, Dennis, the news sounds very positive, and that's great, the projected growth that you mentioned. I'm just curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, as to know the how. How are we going to reach this projected growth? Because looking at it from a layman's perspective, aviation, big hub for us, that's down at the moment. Changi Airport, big bigger hub for us, down. Retail, down. F&B, down. Hotel, conferencing, uh, business industry, the mice industry, down. Uh, events, sporting events, artistic events, down for the foreseeable future. So we know that's going to stay that way for the for short term, if not longer term. So where is this economic growth coming from? A p- part of that numbers that you're seeing coming from us and coming from the IMF is, is what we call a base effect because, you know, we, we contracted by so much last year. Mm. So once you see that a gradual improvements and there's been a lot of pent-up demand, right? People are beginning to go out, they want to go and shop, they want to eat out. 
So you're seeing that uh, being driven a lot by consumption, other matters. But you're right. I mean, there are still a lot of sectors which are going to be really badly affected. I mean, the travel and hospitality sectors, airlines, it's going to take a long time for them to recover. You know, uh, I think there's some some statistics that are saying that, you know, it could take about two to three years, right? So... Um, so what you're seeing is you, you're getting you're getting strong economic growth, partly because of that base effect, and also because you know there, there's been improvements in, in in consumption. But at the same time, you know you begin to see it's it's a bit of a K-shaped recovery, call it right. So some sectors are doing better, and other sectors are it's going to take a bit of time. The sectors that are doing well, uh, we know are those basically. Uh, in the online platforms, you know, we, we're all stuck at home, working from home. So we've all been shopping online. You know, I've, I've been using Grab or Foodpanda to buy food yeah. or, or we're video sure. conferencing and using Zoom. So these guys and these businesses are doing roaring business. But at the same time, we have other sectors, you know, your, your mom and pop shops, uh, retail, uh, you know, it's, it's been taking a while for them to, to recover. Some of them have closed down temporarily. So, uh, you know, we're... That, that's one of the reasons why we sort of couch it by saying we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. Mm. At the same time, I think what's really important is to try, uh, tr- basically try to stop the spread of the pandemic. I mean, mm. that's what we need to do. And yeah. the, the big difference this year compared to last year is last year in May, we had no vaccines, right? So this time we've got a multiple number of vaccines out there. So, you know, all of us need to get vaccinated. I mean, I'm, I'm revealing my age. I've, I've got my, I've got my shots. <laughs> us but, too. <laughs> you know, we've got, to get, we've got to get as many people vaccinated. So that's one of the ways that we can contain yeah. that pandemic. We're yeah. talking with uh, Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit, uh, about the new APEC Regional Trends Analysis Report. And Dennis, if, if I can, uh, one of the things that mentioned in your report, and, and I put the URL on our Facebook Live page, basically you can go to apec.org and then look for the regional trends analysis report. You can see that report there. Um, you talk about in the report the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on certain segments. And specifically, women, young people, elderly, and the mm. poor have experienced what you call layers of negative impact. And now, while yeah. there is a good news story, as you mentioned, you were expecting growth and all of that, there, there is another side where certain parts of the population are being left out. Uh, what did you see, what did you realize in, in that uh, vein, and how important is that to the overall report? Yeah, in, in many ways, the pandemic is actually exacerbated the, the inequalities that we see around the world, mm. even you know, before the pandemic, right? So, um, and I think what's, what's happened with the outbreak last year is that it's affected different segments of the society more than others. So you find that, for example, Women have, uh, you know, during the lockdown period, women have tend to have a disproportionate share of household chores or homeschool, homeschooling of their kids. So they tend to exit the market earlier. You also have elderly people with pre-existing conditions. Again, they tend to exit the market also earlier than other workers. And then, you know, getting access to education, you're stuck at home and you, you need to learn or you need to you know, take your lectures or, 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 or lessons at home. Not everybody has access to the internet. I mean, even in the Asia Pacific region, yeah. we're still we're still got about forty percent of the of the population that don't have access to broadband, right? So, uh, if you don't have access to 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 these types of training or or, or, or online lessons, then you're going to have less job opportunities, right? Because it's going to take a long time for you to get yourself trained or educated. 
Uh, I mean, the worst case scenario is that you could look at uh, kind of a lost generation of young people that are not in, in the kind of good quality jobs that they should be. So I think these are some of the things that policymakers need to address. That there is that economic divide. There's also a digital divide because of not, not getting access to to the digital tools that needed for them and kind of reskillings that you need for the kind of future work, kind of future jobs that you see out there. So I think these are some things that uh, they, need, they need to think about. We're talking with Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. And we just had a question from one of our uh, listeners, viewers, come in, Dennis, which loosely touches on something I mentioned before, the impact on mice, you know, our conference and business industry. Very important key industry that was potentially going to be yeah. for Singapore. Many venues were built, as we know, around the Marina Bay area. Will that suffer greatly, uh, Pin Pin Chia asks, since Singapore has focused on becoming a regional mice venue? Or have you already seen that pivot towards online platforms? You mentioned there that technology, digital technology is more available to some markets than it is to others. Clearly, we are a very digital market here in Singapore. How's that looking? Is there any research on that market? Because it was going to be a key market for mm. Singapore, wasn't it? Uh, and I think it still will be. Uh, so uh, what, what's happening even this year in APEC, it's New Zealand's the host for APEC and all our meetings are virtual, right? Mm. And I think what... Uh, what you're beginning to see in some of these conferences is it's a kind of a hybrid, right? So you have some which are uh, you, you, you can actually physically attend these meetings, and others which are basically you can participate virtually. I mean, I've, I've attended a couple of conferences virtually, um, and um, eventually, it's it's all a matter of whether we can contain the pandemic. So if we can contain the pandemic, then we could be going back to the, the kind of physical conferences and, and, and meetings that you want to go to. And I personally, maybe I'm, I'm old school, um, you know, I want to see you face-to-face, -face, right? I mean, if you want to do business net networking, yeah. it's kind of hard to do it online, you know? You've you got to meet people, exchange business cards, tell you what you're doing, uh, and you kind of miss that. So I think there's still, uh, that, that, I think there's still a place for that, and I think it's really important. Uh, so what... Uh, Everybody has to do is try to find a way to to address this pandemic. At the same time, I think it's not it's not going to be business as usual, right? I mean, we, we still need to practice uh, social distancing. Even if we are able to bring down the infections, we need to uh, make sure that uh, contact tracing and all these things will still be put in place, even as we move towards a kind of a post COVID uh, landscape. Uh, Dennis, when we look even uh, closer, let's say, at Singapore and just our neighboring countries around ASEAN, what are the bright spots here? Where are the opportunities? Uh, you talk about everyone kind of pitching in and doing what they can in their own segments. But uh, Are there any specifics that you see that, that look good uh, in Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, right in the neighborhood here? Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways um – you know, that's probably leads to our, our, our second part of our report, looking at supply chains, right? Mm. So, uh, yes, we saw supply chains being disrupted last year, uh, and, but they've been quite resilient. And we've seen the, a lot of pent-up demand because we are, you know, because we're all moving towards digital uh, uh, tools. So there's been a lot of demand for IT equipment. There's a lot of demand for uh, uh, laptops, uh, different types of things. Mm. So... Uh, we're seeing actually certain certain businesses are still doing really well, particularly in the electric, electrical and electronic sectors. And a lot of the global value chains that you have in this part of the world, uh, a large chunk of that sector is in the electronic sector. So you're seeing that increasingly that uh, there's still 
uh, a lot of production that's going out on right now. In fact, one of the big concerns right now is that there's a global shortage of microchips, right? So uh, uh, the key issue now is that how, how do you ramp up production to make sure that uh, we can provide enough microchips for your smartphones right. and for your laptops? So and and electronic sector is kind of a big industry and a big sector in Southeast Asia and ASEAN. And a broader question on that related to it: this idea of production within Singapore. If, if COVID has shown us anything, with it's the vaccine, Singapore is trying to accelerate the need to build to uh, create their own uh, vaccines in Singapore, produce their own vaccines in Singapore, food production. They're trying to increase their own food production in Singapore. Is that something you see in the future? Has COVID shown Singapore that we're going to have to almost go backwards in a way and produce more of our own stuff here? Um, well, the, I think uh, looking at food security and making making sure that we have enough food, I think is quite a critical issue. Uh, but at the same time, Singapore is a very small and open economy. Yeah. You, you can't produce everything in Singapore. I mean, we can't grow rice here. I mean, don't, we don't have the space or anything. But mm-hmm. uh, are, no, this is where, you know, being innovative and looking at new types of technology. We know that, for example, in Singapore, there's uh, vertical farming, for example, right. or hydroponic farming. So there, there's a lot of things that we can do to become resilient. So I see not just Singapore, but uh, even in this region that we have to be a bit more creative and innovative uh, and one of the good things is that we've got a lot of uh, different kinds of technology out there that we can use to apply so that we can become a, uh, a bit more resilient. Mm, absolutely agree. Dennis, uh, fantastic insight today. Really appreciate it. The, the report is available on the APEC.org website uh, for people to view and, and look at. We certainly encourage them to go there. Uh, as always, great to have you on and, and thanks for your insight today, Dennis. Appreciate it. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.